0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master of the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code, sponsored by Electrical Code com. I guess it would also be Electrical Code Academy Incorporated. My name is Paul. Welcome to the show. For all those out there on those hater message boards, yes, it's another podcast you love to listen to, but tell everybody you hate. <laughs> anyway, oh, that's funny. So, welcome to today's show. So, today's show. I got a request by somebody, and you know through the years we we kind of sometimes take for granted some of the things that we learn in the code and and so you you, you kind of forget that there's people that are transitioning from commercial into residential uh, we sometimes forget that and you know and vice versa but we also know that there are some you know apprentices that that are moving up to become journeymen electricians and you know, they're they're working through their skills, their trade, they're learning things, and, and, and they get sometimes they'll get conflicting information from uh, I guess different educators or or maybe different uh, um, mentors that are on their site, the job site or whatever, and that's fine. I mean everybody's has an opinion and that's cool. Um, but sometimes they'll get some conflicting information or sometimes you might even get a read a handbook uh, that somebody might put out, which is really nothing more than an interpretation, and you might get, you know, might get confused because you, you hear some people talking about one thing, and and uh, you read it and you say, I just doesn't I look right." I get, it looks like it should be different than that, or whatever. So, uh, so from time to time, it's always good to rehash, revisit some, I guess what we call basic code, some basic understandings and. Uh, today's episode, we're really going to deal with something that is probably pretty basic. Uh, there's a lot of references that come back to this code section. Uh, whether you're in 800 or, or other areas when it comes to communication and you're worried about some kind of damage to the coax or some kind of damage to the Class 2 or Class 3 or whatever, and of course knowing that, uh, that you know that's a standalone chapter itself, It has to make reference back to chapters one through seven where applicable, and you know so uh, more notably, it makes reference back to chapters one through four where needed uh, for enforcement. So as if you haven't probably guessed, and of course I should say also the common wiring methods that you would see, like a non-metallic sheet cable, are also going to make references back to these specific sections that are really important to the safe installation of those type of products. So that's going to be the topic of today's podcast. Um, Kind of a a light podcast today, so you can just kind of listen. If you're an apprentice out there, don't really need to flow through the code, although you do need to know what we're talking about and where we're at. So uh, you know, I'll kind of make reference to that. And of course, I'll read the code as always so that you can kind of get a flavor of what the code is. Um, and if you're a seasoned veteran out there, and you're thinking, "Why in the world is he talking about this?" This is a good opportunity for you to turn off and leave and not listen. If you don't like it, don't listen. the The definition of a fool, in my mind, is somebody who sits there and wants to complain and continues to listen when they know that they got a simple solution. That's right. You can click away or you can turn it off. Don't be a fool if you don't like it, but don't be foolish if you want to learn something okay if you do then you'll stick around all right so today we're going to talk about if you haven't guessed it 300.4 protection against physical damage now many 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 cycles we have tried to put in a to try to get a definition in article 100 of what physical damage is or worst case we're trying to get really trying to dig down into what's considered severe physical damage and obviously you know, we're not there because we like, I believe, where we're at is that we like the broad interpretation that gives us that leeway as a jurisdiction to be able to interpret what physical damage is. What's If I install something, it's like people say with non-metallic sheath cable, we install it above eight, inch, uh, eight feet and it's not considered su- uh, subject to physical damage. I, that wouldn't be true because if it's exposed, it's always subject to physical damage. But the likelihood of it um, although you won't see that rule anywhere in the n-e-c um, uh, when it comes to like non-metallic sheath cable above a certain height although that is again one of those myths out there that that is in the code it is not there's other references in the code to talk about protecting something as it emerges from grade and physical damage and different things but we obviously know that non-metallic sheath cable can't be in the ground anyway or in a raceway outside so it's really not relevant right um, And then there's those other myths out there that say that you can't put non-metallic sheet cable inside of a raceway. And again, that would be another myth out there that I hear people from time to time talk about and make a quote. My message to you is all electricians have to learn and when you make quotes and you say something that you believe is a true statement, it's always important to possibly back it up with the code section. Now, I, I get it. You want to make a statement. You want to help people out. But again, you propagate falsehoods when you make statements and you don't really back them up by code. So people wonder why I always make a statement and more than not, I will back it up with a code reference is because it needs to have some validity to what you're saying. And that's just something I do. Now, you don't have to do it. Uh, I'm just saying, I always like to tell people stop and think before you post. Um uh, Unless it's just you're talking it in general terms, there's a lot of posting it done on a lot of message boards and a lot of well-known message boards with so-called, quote, experts on there, which I really think are just people who are hovering around on that board because they won't be permitted on any other board because they're self-centered, low self-esteem, uh, whatever. You know what board I'm talking about. So anyway, and that would also go for the majority of their moderators on that board. Not the couple of the moderators are really, really good. Uh, But the other ones, yeah, that must have been their lifelong dream to be the moderator of that forum. Anyway, if you don't have anything to teach people and all you want to do is sit and criticize people inside of a forum, then um, shame on you. Um, I can do it because I've been the target, but I am constantly teaching people outside of the forum. So you like it or don't like it, whatever. All right, enough of that rant. So anyway, make sure you post references. Uh, Because it's really important to know where they came from. And when I do a lot of stuff for home inspections, uh, for home inspectors, I teach them a lot. I have through the years. They always wonder, they say, well, you don't quote code. We don't quote code. I'm saying, but you don't understand where we've been. You don't know where you're going. So I, you know, that old saying, you give them a fish, they'll eat for a day. You teach them how to fish, they'll eat for a lifetime. Except when I'm fishing, I can barely catch fish. But you get the point, right? All right, so today... We're going to talk about protection against physical damage. And notably, we're going to talk about uh, this applies to conductors, raceways, and cables and how they're protected, whether it's MC cable, AC cable, non-metallic sheath cable. Uh, There's certain things that are specifically addressing cable. uh, You know, Uh, so uh, you have to look at the context of, of how it's being applied. Um, a lot of people think that uh, if you bore through wood framing members that it wouldn't apply to certain types of, of raceways, and that's absolutely not true. So you have to kind of look at how it applies. And, of course, there is some misunderstandings when it comes to boring wood framing members. There's still unclear people out there who I've got plenty of debates with about top plate above panels boring the holes and protection of the plates uh, that you have to put to protect the as the wires penetrate. And then there's arguments on whether or not it has to be sealed. Look, if it's a framing member and there's a rating on the top, which a, which a top plate has, and you penetrate that, you reduce the rating of that cavity. You have to maintain the rating of the cavities, so that's why we seal it back. And you know what? You can argue all you want. My advice was crack open your code book and we can all learn a little something if we spend more time in the code book. Okay? Alright, so let's look at it. 300.4 deals with protection against physical damage. You all should be familiar with it. It really pops up a lot throughout the NEC. Um, it says, we're subject to physical damage. Conductors, raceways, and cables shall be protected. Okay. It also has a little informational note here which has been added for the 2017 code. It's just really good commentary. It's good information. It's not obviously not enforceable, But it really is good. One of the, probably one of the good uh, types of things that informational notes do. Again, not enforceable. Um, Another analogy to give you that an informational note in the NEC is very much like the commentary in a handbook. Okay, it's good information. It's not enforceable. Might give you a good understanding of how to present a code disagreement. But, again, it's not something that a local inspector is going to be able to look at and say, oh, well, the handbook says this. Unless, of course, they're a super big fan of the handbook. They could be. You know, they might be a super big fan of it, you know. Anyway, so let's look at it. The informational note actually says, minor damage to a raceway, cable, armor, or cable insulation does not necessarily violate the integrity of either the contained conductors or the conductor's insulation. Okay. So you could have a little bit of damage to something. It could be repaired. It doesn't necessarily mean that that minor damage uh, is going to be a, a problem with any insulation uh, and what have you. So slight ding in an EMT, for example, doesn't necessarily mean that the integrity of the circuit conductors inside are, are damaged. Again, you do if you do damage it, I, yeah, I guess theoretically you reduce the annular space inside of it, and it could affect the raceway feel. But in a real world, a little damage, the EMT did what it was supposed to do, and you know I probably wouldn't lose any sleep over it. The most important thing to understand here is that we have definitions that are, again, very vague when it comes to enforcement. One is, what is the definition of physical damage? I employ all inspectors to be very generous on understanding that and working with electricians. I also want to appeal to the electricians that don't take advantage of that. Uh, the other thing is, in the information note, it says minor damage to a raceway. Now, nobody's defined what major or minor damage is. I guess we have to use our common sense. If it looks bad, then it's probably bad. If it's damaged at a connector or a coupling location, it's it's probably bad. If we see cable that's damaged to the point where we can see the conductors, much less damage to the insulation on those conductors, it's you know that's probably a major damage. So, again, we're appealing to the common sense out there and hopefully you can use that in your everyday uh, interpretation and uh, inspectors are taking that into account. Now let's look at 304A because that deals with cables and raceways. Okay? A lot of people think that when you're dealing with board holes or notches in wood that we're only dealing with cables, not so true. Cables and raceways through wood members. It says number 1, board holes. This would be your big auger bits and things like that, electricians born through wood framing members, we bore through them all the time, uh, you know, trying to be neat and taking pride in your work, make sure all your horizontal bores are uh, are pretty much a level. Um, there are some electricians that will actually snap a line around it for their apprentices. Now, I used to do this when I was teaching uh, uh, helpers and all, not because I was, you know, overly anal about the horizontalness. I mean, you can, I, in fact, I used a Milwaukee with the right angle with an extension on it. And if you Placed it the right height in your on your hip and your, you know whatever, then you couldn't help but have them pretty level. So it's just a matter of getting used to it. I used an extension uh, with a little short six-inch bit on all of my stuff, so I could drill through the through the uh, ceiling joists uh, or the wall studs without a ladder because I had this this thing. And you're always trying to keep the holes as flat as possible so they're not angled. It makes it harder for the pull. But you know you get them pretty level. But we did use to snap it. Just what we were teaching when I would take a helper to a house and I knew they were green and I'd say, look, we're trying to get that mold into taking pride. And if I teach a helper early on or an apprentice early on to take pride in their work and to be really proud, it's kind of like teaching a puppy potty training. I mean, I hate to say that analogy, but you praise over and over and over again you you repeat the same thing you be very consistent with your training if you do the same thing to an apprentice what you're going to have is you're going to have an amazing journeyman and that journeyman keeps on and they learn this and they teach the apprentice the next thing you know you're going to have an amazing master a master who takes pride in their work not a, not somebody that always gets the code right i mean we all can you know stretch things a little bit maybe put 3 non-metallic sheath cables under a, uh, a staple that's only designed for 2 i mean i get it and it might look on the flat, you know, it's not on the edge, and it might hold, and it looks fine, and most inspectors will walk through it and go, I got bigger things, I got bigger fish, fish to fry, I don't need to worry about that little thing there. I get it. We all understand real life. It doesn't make it right in the code, but we get it. I get it. I'm a realist. At the end of the day, sometimes it's just good to train the uh, the uh, installers, the apprentices, the helpers and some you know, states is just helper. They don't have apprenticeships. It's just right to train them right from the beginning and, and really set the tone. You got to remember, you are teaching them, and what they learn early on, their characteristics they're going to carry with them. So train them right. It, I think it's the ultimate responsibility of the journeymans and the masters to train the helpers to be as neat and set a good example. That, that, to me, I always did that. Uh, my everything I did was smooth, uh, right. You know, everything was was done right you know and i tried to carry that so that the next generation so anyway enough of that all right so the first one it says 300.4 a1 board holes it says in both exposed or concealed locations okay so it doesn't matter what the whether it's exposed or it's going to be concealed by gypsum or whatever it says where a cable or raceway type wiring method is installed through board holes in joists rafters or wood members that's a pretty general term Holes shall be bored so that the edge of the hole is not less than one and a quarter inches from the nearest edge of the wood member. Okay, a lot of people don't understand that. I've seen things be thrown out an inch and a half. I've seen things to be thrown out three quarter of an inch. It's an inch and a quarter, not from the cable, not from the raceway. It's from the edge of the board hole. That means it's very important to know the size of the holes you're boring when you're using it through a framing member again two by fours aren't necessarily two by four okay uh that nominal dimension sometimes i mean as time's going on they're not two by fours now you go into those older houses uh like my parents house or whatever and yet those baby were two by fours okay not today all right fine engineer wood whatever i get it but i'm just saying be very careful how you bore the hole. The bigger the hole, the more cables you try to put in there. Try to pull SERs through there. You're going to do that measurement for the edge of the board hole to the nearest framing member. Now, here's the other thing to remember. This is applicable to both sides of that board hole. Okay. I see a lot of people do a bigger board hole and they put a nameplate on the inside, but they don't realize that to the other side of the framing member might be less than an inch and a quarter. If that's the case... Then you're going to have to put a nail plate. Uh, if the siding's up already, you know the best way to do this really is to take a nail plate, and we'll talk about the nail plates in a minute. Uh, the best plate way to do this is to take a nail plate. It's the kind that knock into the wood. To simply knock the little points flat, uh, so that they're back, so that you know they're not. Don't knock them in. Knock them flat to fill the void where they were actually bent from in the metal, so it's perfectly flat. And then put that on the other side of it. Then use your screwdriver and, uh, you know, not a good screwdriver with a good edge. Um, maybe a piece of crap screwdriver, flathead, and, uh And put it on there and tap that sucker in place back there. Yes, I know the siding's already up. Yeah, I know that. But I am not taking the risk that somebody comes up later and puts something on the outside or they change the siding or somebody puts some other... You know what? I, you know, I'd rather be safe than sorry. I mean, you... you if you've got this many holes and you need to do it, then you really need to think about how you're drilling, you know, how you're boring your holes, right? So anyway, that's my thing. You can agree to disagree, whatever, but that's what the code says. And I'm thinking about, I don't want nobody to say that I have drilled a hole and it was less than that, and then a house catches on fire, you know what I mean. And a lot of times when we're roughing in these homes, um, and we have to realize that they're still, I mean, they might have the, uh, particle board outside with the Celotex wrap or something on it, but they might not have the finished siding on it or something yet. And I just don't want to risk it. And I have been to cases. One of the first things I did when I came out here to Texas for Encore was we had a case of a fire and they thought it was was Encore's wire. Ultimately, it did not. I don't know why somebody didn't check the name on the wire before we drove all the way to Arkansas, but I did. Uh, I drove there on behalf of attorneys and, and, and did investigation and ended up opening up some additional sheetrock for them and improved it but then they asked if I would continue to look at it and try to find the source, um, because I have an area of expertise in that. Uh, and so, luckily, I, you know, I, I I determined the source along with the fire marshal there. But also, I've noticed that there was a lot of damage to other NMB that was in that manufactured home. And it's because they have a practice of notching the outside of the building and then putting the, to putting the non-metallic sheath cable in from the outside into a notch. And then they put a little thin metal over it, which doesn't meet the the, the nail plate, one six, uh, the 16th of an inch requirement. But we'll talk about that in a second. Anyway, when they went to put their siding up, they drove these staples right through the NMB. And I mean, in dozens of places. And I'm surprised it didn't Cause much bigger issue. Uh, good news here for all the naysayers out there who say, "Well, would an AFCI have caught it? Probably would have, but they didn't use they didn't use arc fault circuit interrupters on it." Okay, it wasn't in the uh, this one was a one that was built prior before it was a, a mandate. Okay, so anyway, that's a whole different story, and you can agree to disagree whatever you want on that. All right, so it does state that we have these now. It's the its edge. Other wood, so it's each side of the board hole to the nearest edge, and that's how you measure it. If okay, if it's less than one and a quarter of an inch, then you're going to have to put a nail plate. It says, Where this distance cannot be maintained, the cable eraseway shall be protected from penetration by screws or nails by a steel plate or bushing at least sixteenth of an inch thick. Okay, at least sixteenth of an inch thick. and the appropriate length and width installed to cover the area of the wiring. Now I don't know how many times I've seen these nail plates get put up and they get put up incorrectly. They have to cover the entire area of the wood framing member that's that you know right across where the hole and it has to be a wide enough nail plate in order to cover the whole area that would be the, the, the diameter of the board hole. I sometimes see this done wrong and they're put on haphazardly and You know, whatever. Um, There's going to be a number of gypsum board screws being placed in there and things like that. So, okay, it's important that you follow the code. Now, there are two exceptions to this rule because this is a pretty general rule because it talked about raceways and cables. And it didn't delineate any of them from the, any type of raceway from this requirement, okay? All right, so what it says in the exception to this rule, it says, well... Steel plates shall not be required to protect rigid metal conduit, intermediate metal conduit, rigid non-metallic conduit, which I'm not so sure I agree with that one. Uh, it says, or electrical metallic tubing. I have easily seen screws go through rigid non-metallic conduit like butter. But that's what the code says, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to argue the code. It just is what it is. Um, so those are your exceptions. I don't see anything about MC in here and AC. So again, those type of things would have to have the protection if you want to do it. And yes, you can install type MC cable, metal clad through wood board framing members, not a problem. Um, but this is giving you the exception to the to the to the steel plate thing. Okay. Um, again, we're talking about wood members here. So there's some people that see these rules and they think about the punched members through steel studs and all that kind of stuff. And really, we're talking about wood framing members here again you wouldn't believe the number of questions i get on that and questions are good i don't mind the questions but make sure we understand the context of what we're talking about the exception number two to this general rule of the board hole rule says that a listed and marked steel plate that is less than one sixteenth uh, of an inch that provides equal or better protection against nail or screw penetration shall be permitted so it's not required you can use a regular 16th of an inch thick steel nail plate if you want or steel plate but it says okay well i'll let you use something that's maybe less than a 16th of an inch but it's got to be listed and it's got to be marked so you know i can use a steel plate that is not if it's 16th of an inch thick then it doesn't have to be listed or whatever i can use it that's what the general rule says um but more than often than not, we're going to get nail plates that are already manufactured, and they're going to be listed, and they're going to have a stamp on them or something. Uh, and usually, they just have a round UL stamp on them or whatever NRTL they wanted to do that. And that's what we get. And they might be less than a sixteenth of an inch, and that's okay. All right, it might be a hardness value or something, and whatever that allows them to do it. But that means they were evaluated. Okay. but you might be able to buy nail plates that are truly steel plates that are 16 uh, one16th of an inch and if that's you know that's the case uh, that they are 16th of an inch in thickness then they would be used and they would not necessarily have to be listed okay the listing requires the marking in the listing if they are less than 16th of an inch okay keeping that in mind. All right. Next, we go on, and again, we're we're still dealing with wood members, and we get into three hundred point four a two, which is the notches in the wood. Now, the IRC has all of their rules about the notching and how much you can notch out a stud. You know, I'm an electrician. Um, If I'm going to notch out something, I'm going to make sure that I add. Here's the best thing to do: if I got to notch out something, the plumbers are the best ones to know this because they notch out all the time for plumbing pipe. Um, If I'm going to notch out something. I'm going to probably ask the builder uh, or the carpenter, okay? Because I am all about placing the blame on somebody else. Now, if you want to do your own researching, I I personally do have an IRC and IBC and keep them handy. I got them on my phone. I'm always handy, and, and you do this. But for me, I think it's all about, with electricians, it's communication and diverting. So if I've got to go through somewhere and i got to notch something out, uh, I'm going to check with somebody and I'm going to defer it. I want somebody that I can be able to say, well, he told me it was okay because he says I could do this, much this. Um, okay? If you want to own it and take it on yourself, that's perfectly fine. I'm not advocating either way. I'm just saying for me, um, it was always good for me if I had to notch something that, unless it was pretty benign type of notch. um, But, you know, and I'm not getting into IRCs, you can criticize me if you want in this video, I really don't care, get a life. But if you, you know, if you're an electrician and you know the notching, that's great. Um, Me, again, I'm trying to focus on the electrical. If you have to notch it, here's what the rules are when it comes to protecting it. Uh, If it's a real benign notching it out, uh, you know, uh, maybe an inch in or something like that and you're not messing with the integrity of the framing member, okay? caveat to that is things like micro lambs and and other type of things make sure you check with the manufacturers to make sure that you can even drill through those um into what segment you know the middle third all those type of things you need to check with the manufacturer before you drill so the old adage is you know how they say measure twice cut once well for the electrician it's uh check your resources twice Drill once, okay? Check your resources twice, notch once, all right? So here's what it says Cables and raceways through wood members A2, which is notches in wood. It says, Where there is no objection because of weakening the building structure, okay, that's a direct reference to the building codes. In both exposed and concealed locations, cables or raceways shall be permitted to be laid in notches in wood studs, joists, rafters, and other wood. Members where the cable or raceway at those points is protected against nails or screws by a steel plate at least 16th of an inch thick and of appropriate length and width, okay, installed to cover the area of the wiring, okay. A steel plate shall be installed before the building finish is applied, okay. So, this is the application where they notch the wood outside. It didn't go in, you know, with that mobile home. They didn't notch it in really far, just enough, um, but clearly uh, they needed to put adequate uh, nail plates on it. And what they it really was, it looked like a, a roll, it looked like they just put some of the little thin sheet metal on it, which obviously is not going to stop anything. Okay. So they probably just have that in rolls and they just bam, 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 and that's not adequate. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. It uh, goes on to say, okay, since we're talking about notches, we also have two exceptions, and it'd be the same two exceptions we just talked about. One, okay, if it's steel plates are not going to be required, if it's rigid metal, intermediate metal, rigid non-metallic, or electrical metallic tubing. You can argue with me, agree to disagree when it comes to the rigid non-metallic conduit. I'm just saying if it's me and I'm using that, I'm, I'm actually going to put a nail plate up. It takes a second. They're so cheap now just to whack that thing up there, but... You know what? The code says you don't have to. You can exception to it, you know. All right. And then, of course, exception to it says, all right, if you got a nail plate that's less than a sixteenth of an inch, if it's listed and marked steel plate, uh, then, you know, go for it. Okay. And it can't be less than the sixteenth of an inch unless it's listed and marked. All right. So that kind of covers our, mark, uh, our notching and our board hole aspect of it. So then we get into 300.4B. Now, 300.4B is is specific here, okay? This is the one where we get a lot of people confused here. So the others were general, and they gave you some leeways, but any other type of raceway or cable assembly has to follow those rules. The next one is non-metallic sheath cable and electrical non-metallic tubing. So the ENT, okay, and non-metallic sheath cable. Here's where we won't get people get confused. Here it says through metal framing members. So we're now dealing with metal framing members, okay? And this is specific to non-metallic sheath cable, NMB and ENT, okay? So it says non-metallic sheath cable. This is the first one. It says in both exposed and concealed locations where non-metallic sheath cable passes through either factory or field punch. What does that mean? So, I can get the framing members with the square openings that are factory done, or I can get the ones where I have the little punch and I go through and they're solid and you actually punch your own hole, which is, you know, it's just like a punch kit. Um, and it doesn't matter whether I use either or. And it also goes on to say, even if they're cut or drilled slots or holes in each metal member, it says the cable shall be protected by listed bushings or listed grommets covering all metal edges. And that they are securely fashioned in the opening prior to installing the cable. So they have to click in. They have to cover it. Years ago, you didn't have to have the whole opening where you pass the cable through. It was just kind of like a cradle. And people would do it. And they were still getting damaged because as you're pulling that cable, it bounces up and down. The non-metallic catches on those edges. Um, and some of those, when you drill them, they kind of do leave some really sharp edges. Right? So you have to use listed. Okay listed bushings or listed grommets and today this is going to be a no-brainer when you get these listed bushings or grommets that goes in the metal studs um, then they're going to be the size you need now remember if you're using the punches and things like that or drilling it can be a lot more difficult because if you're not using standardized holes or sizes when you're drilling that some of these listed grommets or bushings might not fit properly so again, Take all that into consideration. Remember that. But also don't get fooled in understanding that this only deals with non-metallic sheath cable and electrical non-metallic tubing. Okay? does not deal with MC. Okay? AC cable. All right? The next one it says is, and this is B2, it says non-metallic sheath cable and electrical non-metallic tubing. It says where nails or screws are likely, and I could argue that anytime I run it horizontally, uh, and again, this is still under metal framing members, is likely to be penetrated by gypsum screws, and they pop those things in everywhere, okay? It says, where nails or screws are likely to penetrate non-metallic sheet cable or electrical non-metallic tubing, a steel sleeve, steel plate, or steel clip, not less than a sixteenth of an inch in thickness, shall be used to protect the cable or the tubing, all right? So again, ENT, and NMB, okay, wherever it's likely to be penetrated. Now that, be honest with you, that likely is pretty broad. Um, there are a lot of homes today that are getting uh, made out of steel framing members now, and you could have crown molding. You could have all the gypsum board gets screwed up. Um, so be honest with you, anywhere it's run in metal framing members, it could have an issue, Okay. So we want to to be very careful with that. Now, the other caveat to that is interpretation. Okay, If I argued that everywhere in that framing member that has those pre-done factory uh, holes, I would have to put steel plates up, then that would be probably an over-exaggeration of the rule. Um, So what I tell people is, you know, look, Let's use a little common sense. If it's got enough play and you're taking it through a a metal framing member and you're running an MC through it, okay, it's got ability to move, right? So this one only applies what? To non-metallic cable, uh, non-metallic sheath cable or uh, electrical non-metallic tubing. The deal with the tubing is it has a hard time moving or deflecting, okay? So that one might be one where you have to be really careful of how you're doing it and how somebody would interpret it. Uh, when it comes to the non-metallic sheet cable, uh, a lot of these holes that are pre-cut are in the middle and there's enough leeway um, that some people would say, well, when I read this, that everywhere that I run it through that frame, member, it could be potentially uh, penetrated. And like I just said, that is true. It very well could. But I believe that you have to use, again, a little common sense. As long as I'm putting in the the grommets, the listed grommets, and I'm running it through factory through the middle, um, that there's some play in there, that I'm, I'm probably not going to argue that it's subject to, to physical damage at that point. Again, each jurisdiction might make their own rule. If you disagree, you go for it. You make them put nail plate on every single one of them. Since I... In part of the process of manufacturing non-metallic sheet cables, hey, whatever you want to do to protect our cable, hey, I'm all for it. But I encourage people to not take it overboard, okay? So if you're only installing one NMB or two NMBs, like a 12-2 or 14-2 through there, okay, it's probably going to be okay in the middle and move. And it's not really the likelihood is what we have to deal with, okay, that are likely to be penetrated Uh, but let me tell you what if I put a bunch of them through there that that cable can't move and it's not going anywhere so it doesn't have the ability to deflect anything it doesn't have that that movement then I might argue that you know what if that hole's filled through um, it might not have the ability to deflect so it could it has a likelihood to be penetrated if a screw or a nail goes through it. You're going to have to make your own determination there. I'd probably like to see this one cleaned up a little bit, but again, you got to remember that a lot of the NEC is to left to the interpretation of the building official, and who determines what something that is likely, okay? So you use your own judgment. I have my own opinions on that. I won't go into those. I kind of dabbled in that a little bit, um, but okay. Uh, so then it goes on and it does give you an exception. The exception says a listed in mark steel plate again here says that well it can be less than a sixteenth of an inch, if or, if it provides equal or better protection against nails or screws penetrating it shall be permitted. All right. So I probably gave a probably a little bit more of my opinion, um, but again I think it's the number of, of cables that go through the hole if they're right in the center of the metal framing member uh you know, there are some people that literally will put the nail plates everywhere that the NMB runs or the enT runs and uh you know what I can see uh, an inspector enforcing that if that's how your jurisdiction would I can I could support that because of the wording here and then there's other areas where I might have one simple NB running through, uh, uh steel or our metal framing members with the properly listed bushings or grommets and it's free in there it moves back and forth and i don't have an issue of uh its flexibility or the movement of it and i might i might not say that it's likely to be penetrated again interpretations being what they will but i could probably see the point of both of them all right, and if you say Paul, that's wishy-washy. Pick one or the other. No, I don't have to. It's you're the one that's interpreting it. I'm reading you the code. I'm telling you what it says. I'm saying everybody's interpretation of what's likely to be penetrated um, versus you know whatnot. I mean, if it's in a framing member and it's having gypsum boards screwed to it, anything that's in that wall is likely to be penetrated. Yeah, I mean, it can happen. So if that's your interpretation and you believe that, then this one directly tells you if you install B in metal framing members and you're using listed grommets or bushings and it's going through that framing member, then you would put nail plates up. I mean, that's literally what it says. If that's what you want to do. If you see one NMB running through the framing member and it's really loose in there and it's right in the middle and it's and those, two by, those two by fours tend to be more accurate... Because it's, you know, it's it's just metal, and they bend it on, a, you know, on a mold. If that's what you believe, then you believe all right. It's in the middle. It's got some flexibility to it. Moves back and forth. I don't, I don't really consider that to be subject to being penetrated. Okay, that's your interpretation. That's all I'm trying to say. All right, but I've gave you the basis for both, and you have to make your own decision. You call me on that, and I will give you what I my personal opinion on that is. And I can just say that I like the thought of my cable being protected, and we'll leave it at that. All right, item C, uh, in 300.4 item C, which says cables through spaces behind panels designed to allow access. So any of the cables that are installed, that's any cable. Uh, I like how that says cables through spaces behind panels to allow access. And we probably should change this or put in a code submission. Uh, a public input next time that says cables or raceways through space uh, through spaces behind panels. design because if you read the code, it says cables or raceway type wiring methods. Okay, so probably a good uh, public input for the next time. We'll see who submits that. It says cables or raceway type wiring methods installed behind. I don't even know that we need the raceway type. I think it's cables or raceways. Uh, installed behind panels designed to allow access shall be supported according to their applicable articles. Obviously, that's just saying that cables, if it's NMB, then it's got to be secured and supported in accordance with 330, 334.30. Same thing for MC cables, 330.30. Again, remember a little tip if you're taking tests, .30 in the cable and raceway thing, that usually corresponds with the securing and supporting rules in case you got to get there real quick for a test. Um, That type of thing. All right. So now it's saying, look, hey, even though you can get access to it, still have to be supported in accordance with their rules for their specific article. Okay. Uh, Next, we get into the one that's probably one of the most popular, and this one is 300.4D. This says cables and raceways that are parallel to framing members and furring strips. A lot of basements finished out, they're going to, they have the block wall and they're simply going to put a furring strip down and they're going to put some foam against it. You know, maybe one of these little cut foams, thin, whatever the thickness is of your frame mirror. They're going to put this little foam there and that's their insulation. Okay. Usually the white foam or the pink foam or, you know, you buy it in a board, you cut it, you stick it against the, the, uh, your block wall or whatnot, and that's your, that's your insulation for your basement. You already got pretty good insulation because it's probably underground in most cases and not all cases, obviously, but you've got some good insulation going on. The walls are sealed. You're good to go. And so you might use the furring strips, okay? But this is the deal with furring strips and framing members when it deals with running parallel. That's running in the same direction of the framing member. It says, in both exposed or concealed locations where a cable or Raceway type wiring method is installed parallel to framing members such as joists, rafters, or studs, or in installed parallel to framing, uh, excuse me, furring strips. The cable or raceway, uh, now here we just say cable or raceway before we say cable or raceway type wiring method, but I guess we're okay. It says the cable or raceway shall be installed and supported so that the nearest outside surface of the cable or raceway is not less than one and a quarter inches from the nearest edge of the framing member or furring strip where nails or screws are likely to penetrate. Okay, it's kind of staying in that same mode. Obviously, there are jurisdictions out there that let you come down and run the NMB or other type of YMC, MC, anything, down the side of the framing member or down the side of the furring strip And you take a staple, you cut one edge off of it because you barely got room to staple it. And you staple it in that little area. And again, it has to be uh, at least an inch and a quarter away from the nearest edge of the framing member or furring strip. Okay. And the question always comes where it says likely to penetrate. Again. The argument can be made that in any frame member, you don't know where the gypsum board or the the sheet rocker or anybody else is going to install the screws. You have no idea. I mean, there is a pattern they follow, but again, as an electrician, I can't assume anything. I can't even assume they're going to use the right screw length and whatever. Um, So, I have to do my diligence in making sure that my cable is installed. Either I could go out to the right, away from the frame member, and mount it directly on on a running board. Uh, or something onto the, the wall uh, or Whatever I have to do I have to maintain that separation Or I can run it down the framing member But then I'm going to have to do what? I'm going to have to apply something that protects it So that's where the code then says Where this distance cannot be maintained For whatever reason The cable or raceway shall be protected from Penetration by nails or screws By a steel plate sleeve Or equivalent at least A sixteenth of an inch Thick. All right. So this is where we see long plates run up the side of the furring strip uh, that protect the cable. Okay. That's acceptable. It means that no way, but I tell you, it's going to cause a grief for the gypsum board people when they go to drive those screws in there and they keep bending a screw and they keep bending it and they, they, they get ticked off and they start moving to the left and to the right and they keep driving this thing. And eventually, they push something that drives into that plate and then it ends up going through the plate because they're just frustrated. And then you still could penetrate it. I've seen it. I've actually seen it and I, I couldn't believe it. But I've seen screws driven through steel plates. Um, very rare. And that's because they abandoned the normal sheetrock type screws that went with something else because they were having a fit and whatever. Now, I've seen it. Uh, more often than not, maybe it wasn't a steel plate. Somebody mistakenly used something like an aluminum plate or whatever. They didn't follow the rules. They just saw something and said, hey, I found this in the in the, in the Home Depot or Lowe's. And, and, and I was like, oh, this looks like a good plate. I'll use this. Um, reality is it, it can get damaged. So just keep it in mind that you have to maintain it, whether it's furring strips or even the parallel. So if I'm running it parallel with a rafter, i running parallel with a regular wood stud that I have to run them down the center or run it in a way that keeps me at least an inch and a quarter away from the nearest edge. So however you run that. Now there's people that use these things called stackers and, and that's great. Um, back in my day, um, I probably was very uh, guilty of using a, a staple and I would staple onto a uh, I'd staple a tie wrap in the middle of the framing member and then I would tie wrap uh, the NMB to the middle of the, um, the framing member. Uh, again, I was very conscious of the number of current carrying conductors and what I could do and what I can't do. Remember, if you haven't watched our video uh, on derating Demystified, you wouldn't understand that I could put up to four uh, 14 twos or four 12 twos or Three fourteen twos and one fourteen three, or three twelve twos and one twelve three together, uh, and under a tie wrap, which is perfectly acceptable. It's ain't going anywhere, and it, it would hold them in the middle of the framing member, and it actually looked quite neat. And even if I did an adjustment and correction uh, based on the number of current carrying conductors, as long as I didn't exceed nine, and I'm applying the seventy percent to the ninety degree value, which I'm permitted and 334.80, you'll come to find out that you'll still have a conductor that's good for the ampacity that was intended under the 60 degree column after adjustment and corrections and it's okay, it's fine. Um, yet it also kept them nice and neat in the middle and people say, oh, well, you're bunding. Well, I did the, the daggone uh, uh, application for that. I did the adjustment for that. What are you worried about? Okay. But they do make the stackers and, and they're available and you can use those and keep it and they look neat and they hold them off and you know, To each his own, Um, and you can say one thing looks better than the other, and I'd say that we have no definition of what workmanship is, and a good workmanship is in the eye of the beholder, okay? looks good to you, uh, might not look good to somebody else, okay? It's all subjective. All right, so we keep on and say, okay, so parallel, we're running in the framing members, be very above your ceiling there, be very conscious. If you're running it on rafters, you're being very conscious that that inch and a quarter applies to both sides of that cable. Okay, both sides of that framing member apply here, so don't worry, don't forget about that now. Um, and then it goes on to say again, where the distance can't be maintained for whatever reason, uh, the cable or raceway shall be protected again with a uh, steel plate or sleeve that is equivalent to sixteenth of an inch. And of course, you have the exceptions here, but we have three of them here. Okay, so we're going to look at all three of them again. The one other change here for the exception takes takes into consideration that you know what sometimes when you're running f- parallel with the framing member it means you're fishing something down a finished wall and you can't necessarily get in there but it is loose okay so it's going from point A to point B and it's kind of loose in the wall it's not going anywhere and it's a fishing application where we're fishing it in um you know then, then it's okay and let's look at the exception so the exception number one is like the one we've seen before it says okay. If I'm running them parallel with framing members and I'm fishing it in, then uh, steel plate sleeves are equivalent. They're not going to be required as long as it's rigid metal, intermediate metal, and rigid non-metallic and uh, electrical metallic tubing. Uh, personally, I think I shouldn't say this, but if we're going to say rigid non-metallic conduit, I probably would prefer us to say rigid Schedule 80 non-metallic conduit. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I don't want to get the PVC guys upset when I say that, okay. Uh, but I do know there are many other places that we can't use Schedule forty for physical protection where we can Schedule eighty, most notably in service applications. All right. But I'll I'll just let that be. All right. Exception number two. It says for concealed work in finished buildings or finished panels of prefabricated buildings where such supporting is impractical or impracticable means the only way you could do it is to rip it all apart and that kind of defeats the purpose. It says it shall be permitted to fish the cables behind, uh, between access panels. So you cut access here and there in order to be able to fish something in. uh, Perfectly acceptable, okay, to do that. And you wouldn't need to do the plates on that because generally when you're fishing it, it means the, the, the wall finishing is already up. So there's nobody gonna, Now is that gonna stop somebody from driving, putting a picture up later and driving a nail? No but the real opportunity for that to penetrate it is rare, uh, okay, and some people argue, well, if you're fishing, then there's already insulation in there, and it won't be free able to move, I get it, I'm just telling you what the code says, if it would be impracticable to do that, otherwise, you'd have to open up the framing, okay, now, this is a permissive statement here, it shall be permissible, if you want to open it up, and secure it, and do everything, and, and make sure it's the inch and a quarter, cor- whatever, that's that's fine, all right, but this is just giving you the allowance when it comes to running parallel with framing members or furring strips. Gives you some leeway here. And we fish wires all the time uh, between framing members. Okay, and in exception number three is the same one we've seen before. Um, the general rule was it has to be steel plate or sleeve equivalent to at least a sixteenth of an inch thick of steel. Um, but they're saying, look, it can be less than a sixteenth of an inch provided it provides equal or better protection against nails or screw penetration uh, as long as it's listed and marked steel plate okay so it might be less than 16th of an inch but it is marked it's been evaluated it's been listed then it's okay all right so now we go on to item e now e is one that's uh my uh, it's evolved through the years uh, especially underneath corrugated rooftops and things like that. So it's kind of evolved. So let's, um, uh, let's look at it. So E says cables, raceways, or even boxes. So that's something we picked up in the last couple code cycles was uh, what about the boxes? Because you were worried all about the raceways, and you're familiar with this. This is underneath uh, roofs where you might have roof surfaces that get drilled down, And it could penetrate into the raceways and cables. And since most of the raceways were rigid in nature, it literally could penetrate that raceway. All right. So uh, that's why, you know, this rule came about. Uh, And it doesn't just apply to the cables and raceways, it it now applies to the boxes that are mounted under there to maintain this certain amount of separation. So 300.4e says cables, raceways, or boxes installed in or under roof decking okay so a cable eraseway, or box installed in exposed or concealed locations under metal corrugated sheet roof decking okay and usually people will try to install them in those little interstices of the of the material that's corrugated and they try to tuck it up in there uh whether because they're either insulating or doing something and this rule is saying look you easily are going to have these heavy-duty screws that are going to drill through the, the, the corrugated rooftop decking in order to be able to put that waterproofing membrane. So look, keep that distance. I have seen picture after picture of these boxes that you, everybody was okay about the raceways and cables. They kept them the good distance, and then all of a sudden you have these screws running right through the middle of the boxes and damaging the conductors that are inside the box. It's amazing to see it, and they're available. I'll just Google it, and you'll find them. Okay, so we're worried about what's called metal corrugated sheet roof decking. And it says, shall be maintained. So this is the uh, location, shall be maintained, uh, shall be installed and supported so that there's not less than one and a half inches measured from the lowest surface of the roof decking. Okay, the lowest surface, not the part up in the. the the cavity of the corrugation, the lowest point, okay, that's the flat lower portion, it can't be uh, not less than one and a half inches measured from the lowest surface of the roof decking to the top of the cable, raceway, or box, okay, so you measure from the lowest portion of the corrugated rooftop decking and then you measure down and it can't be less than one and a half inches which does correspond very well to those long screws that are used on the rooftop membranes and penetration systems and things like that okay it says a cable raceway or box shall not be installed in the concealed locations in metal corrugated sheet decking type roofs Okay? So you can't install it up in the little areas that are going to be at concealed locations, right? Got to be outside of that because we don't know what's up there, okay? Now, there is an informational note that was was put in here, and it, it's not new to 17, but it's important to read it. It's good information. It says, yo, uh, well, hey, the yo part's mine. It says, yo. Roof decking material is often repaired or replaced after the initial raceway or cabling and roofing installation and may be penetrated by screws or other mechanical devices designed to provide hold down strength of the waterproof membrane or roof insulating material. It's also, I should add, it's very common to come back and install things like photovoltaic systems on these roofs and, and in order for hold downs and things like that, you'll you not always will you get contractors who follow all the rules and they think just screwing down into the metal roof decking is enough, so they take some heavy-duty uh, lag bolts or something and they screw it down into the roof material. And next thing you know, it penetrates this stuff. So inch and a half might not even be enough, but we certainly don't want to have it in any of the concealed spaces. Okay. We're going to at least hope that they go down and look and see what's underneath where they're installing this. At least, at least I hope they do. All right. So that's good information. Now we do have an exception to this rule. As you can imagine, there is one exception and it says rigid metal conduit and intermediate metal conduit shall not be required to comply with 300.4E. So if it's rigid, or it is intermediate it doesn't have to meet E and of course if it doesn't have to meet E then it could be installed in concealed locations it can be installed in that cavity it doesn't have to be an inch and a half away that's what the exception is saying now this exception again only applies to RMC and IMC okay quite interesting that it's not okay to use EMT or rigid non-metallic in this location but again If you think about it, a lot of times these hold downs or these screws are much more robust, okay? So they very easily could penetrate through. All right, but you do have these allowances. Uh, Let's go on to item F. F says, what about cables and raceways installed in shallow grooves? All right, well, we're installing it in shallow grooves. It says, look, cables or raceway type wire methods installed in a groove to be covered by wallboard, siding, paneling, carpeting, or similar finish shall be protected by sixteenth of an inch steel plate, sleeve or equivalent, or by not less than one and a quarter inches of free space for the full length of the groove in which the cable raceway is installed. Now this makes sense. So a lot of times people will install grooves on in the concrete floors, they'll install grooves in, in, in concrete walls, and they're gonna end up putting covering over it, siding over it, paneling over it, uh, or maybe even they're gonna do it in the floor and put carpeting over it. Okay, you're gonna put these plates down because there's gonna be some type of securing method that could penetrate it. And it says, okay, well, let you use these plates. Uh, obviously, you can expect to be two exceptions to these rules here, as we've seen as a normal motif here. Um, but it also says, look, if it's installed more than an inch and a quarter away, there's an inch and a quarter of free space, and, that, and it's the entire length of this groove, then don't worry about it. You don't need the plate. Okay, So you didn't see that. In other, I mean other places, it talked about maintaining the separation, and then if you couldn't, then you stuck the plate. Here, it's the same kind of thing. It's just saying, hey... If you do the groove, you're going to put down this plate uh, or cover, if you will, sleeve or equivalent. Um, But if that groove is maintained the entire length, uh, that whole space between the top of that cable uh, and the groove, then okay, you don't have to do anything. Now I don't think this is not something that's going to happen in a floor where it talks about carpet because I don't think we're going to want that indention and. Okay, it's not going to happen. Somebody's going to put a cover over it. The good news it's here is you might not have to use the steel plate that meets this equivalent if you're installing it in the groove in the floor that is at least an inch and a quarter. You might be able to use a piece of wood or something else for that separate or wherever you want to do. Um, it gives you other options. Otherwise, if it's less than an inch and a quarter, then it's got to be the steel plate. Okay, so this just gives you some leeway. Now, it also goes on to say, again, exception one and two to this groove. Uh, it says steel plates, sleeves, and equivalents shall not be required when it's rigid, intermediate, again, rigid, non-metallic, and electrical metallic tubing. Okay, so just giving you an allowance here. If you want to put those type of wiring methods in that groove, then you can forego the inch and a quarter, and then you can forego uh, the, the steel plate altogether if necessary if you needed to do that in that groove. And there is also an exception for less than a sixteenth of an inch. Again, if it's listed marked steel plate. Okay. It means it's been evaluated and it's okay. All right. Let's move on to G, which is insulated fittings. Okay. Insulated fittings. It says uh, another requirement here for protection. It says, okay, well, raceways. Okay. This is raceway rule. Remember that. It says raceways. I get this a lot for cable applications. This is for raceway. It says Where raceways contain four AWG or larger insulated circuit conductors. I'll read that again. Where raceways contain four AWG or larger insulated circuit conductors. And these conductors enter a cabinet, a box, an enclosure, or a raceway. Okay, So remember, it could be a transition to a raceway. It says... The conductors shall be protected by an identified fitting providing a smooth, rounded insulating uh, insulating surface unless the conductors are separated from the fitting or raceway by identified insulating material that is securely fastened in place. In other words, there's a fitting or something that is designed or developed or part of the process that has that separation from the fitting and the raceway okay so uh, again this is like a bushing uh, in order to be able to protect them as they enter now I see this done a lot with se cable that enter into boxes and again this rule applies to raceways you don't need the bushing on an se cable through a typical se service entrance cable fitting into a panel board uh, panel enclosure for example does it hurt absolutely not is there a problem do you need it absolutely not but, but if you want to do it, go for it. But this is a raceway rule. So it deals with 4 AWG or larger. It doesn't deal with conductors that are smaller than 4 AWG. Okay? Um, good practice to use bushings on all raceways uh, with conductors no matter what the size. Okay? Good rule. Good, good concept. But I just need you to understand what the code says when it talks about using insulated fittings. Okay. And you're dealing with raceways. So it's four AOG conductors and larger. This is where you would install this. Okay, uh, There is an exception to this rule. The exception to this rule says, look, where threaded hubs or bosses that are an integral part of the cabinet box enclosure or raceway providing a smooth, rounded, or flared entry of conductors, then you don't need to worry about the insulated fitting. Myers hubs, for example, or the kind of hubs that are top of meters, which are threaded entry and they have the four bolts that bolt to it, not necessary to have this insulated fitting, okay? Not necessary, all right? So really understand when you need the fittings and when you don't. A key trigger here is 4 AWG American wire gauge, 4 AWG uh, or larger that you're going to require in all raceways. And here's another thing. It didn't say anything about being non-metallic versus metallic. It's all raceways. If you've never, and I know electricians, if you've never cut your finger on PVC when you're cleaning out burrs, when you have made a cut or something, then you ain't lived, baby, until you get a PVC cut. I'm telling you. I know the metal ones hurt, but man, it's something about that good sharp PVC. So just be conscious of that. Still required. Now, it goes on to say, look, conduit bushings constructed wholly of insulating materials shall not be used to secure a fitting or raceway okay it says the insulating fitting or insulating material shall have a temperature rating not less than the insulation temperature rating of the installed conductors Uh, hopefully today when we get the insulated fittings okay that we understand Uh, that it has the same rating as whatever the raceway, and the manufacturers have pretty much stepped up to the plate with that. And they pretty much, the PVC material uh, matches, or if it's a raceway intended for conductors rated at 90 degree, that your fitting is going to be equivalent um, uh, of the rating, at least of the installed conductors. Um, the other thing to remember here that's the most important thing is I've seen many, many, many bushings being used once a raceway enters an enclosure, and they simply screw on a bushing. Uh, and that's supposed to be their mechanical protect. That actually holds the raceway to the enclosure, and that's not what it's intended to do. Now, do they make, possibly make fittings that do both? That's what we were just talking about. It incorporated a inner surface that is smooth and whatever and it might be you know do two things or three things but don't take that for granted the 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 plastic little bushings that you buy that you simply screw onto the threaded entry or whatnot is not designed to be provide the mechanical portion of it just remember that it's just a bushing it's simply meeting this rule in 300.4 g for those four gauge enlargers that come through all right let's not lose sight of that h last one structural joints it says a listed expansion deflection fitting or other approved means shall be used where the raceway crosses a structural joint intended for expansion contraction or deflection used in buildings bridges parking lots and other structures so really a lot of times we have pieces of these concrete structures that come together that that they are pieces and they're allowed to expand and contract and things like that and there or deflection okay and you'll have fittings that are designed to 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 bridge this gap if you will right so you're to use listed expansion or deflection fittings however there are other means that the approval means. When that says approval, means that the AHJ approves them. And there are certain methods, for example, where we might use a raceway. It might be liquid type flexible non-metallic conduit as a bridge uh, or a raceway. It does have flexible properties until you start getting to the really large size. But you need, to, you need to consult with your electrical inspector on what they'll allow you to use. And you also need to remember to consult with the manufacturer of that wiring method to see if it's okay because we do have listed expansion and deflection fittings that have been evaluated. So that's pretty easy. You look for the listing. You look for the mark. It requires them to be listed if you're going to use them. That's pretty simple. But it also says or other approved means shall be used where a raceway crosses a structural joint. You might have the ability to use Liquitite flexible non-metallic conduit for this application. Right? You might be able to use that up to a certain size. Uh, and you might even be able to use liquid type flexible metal conduit up to a certain size to the point where it loses its flexibility. Then you might have a jurisdiction who might say, yeah, it's not approved anymore. I don't like it. It's not flexible. But that's the important part of the word approved means. Again, that's in the eye of the person who has the jurisdiction. You might be the electrician and you might say, I am fine with it. I don't have a problem with it. I approve it. Well, that's great if you're not getting it inspected. If you're getting inspected, then somebody else has to put their eyes on it. Now, if it's a project that doesn't have an AHJ when it comes to like a a a municipal, then there's always going to be an AHJ. Somebody has to have the final say. It might be you. It might be a base commandant or a base commander, if it's a military and they're using the NEC, or somebody's got to be the AHJ. Somebody's got to make the decision of whether it's approved and what's not. For example, I can tell you right now, most of the time when this happens, um, it's going to be probably three quarter to maybe one inch. uh, And and I'm probably going to be perfectly okay with the use of a flexible, a liquid type flexible non-metallic conduit. Uh, as long as obviously, obviously, if it's a metal raceway is being used and it has a equipment grounding conductor in it and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But today's class is not about Article 250. We can do that at another time. But as long as obviously it's in there and, and, and I can put it in a way that that flexible raceway uh, is going to allow that flexibility. And I'm, I'm going to prove that. I don't have any problem with that. OK, so again, you can buy stuff that's listed expansion and deflection if that's the route you want to go by all means, get it. Um, But there is other alternatives that could be approved. Just keep that in mind. Well, that's it today. I gave you a lot of opinion, a lot of my opinions. Uh, Hopefully you got something out of it. Um, If you have any questions, you can agree to disagree with me all you want, that's fine. You can agree with what I could say about running non-metallic sheath cable through metal framing members. Um, I gave you what literally the code says and again if you're wanting one cable through there i probably wouldn't have the heartburn because it's going to move around but if you were to follow the intense letter of the code or you're installing multiple cables through there where it doesn't have the movement ability then i would probably say that you should put the nail plates up Um, again that's what the code says Okay, so I'm giving you different opinions. You can agree or not. You can say, "Well, I don't like what Paul says because he's not telling me exactly what the code is." That's fine. My suggestion is, don't listen to my podcast. That's the best suggestion I can give you, naysayers. All right, but if you love what you learned, I'm glad you hung in there with me. It was a long one. We covered entire 300.4. Hopefully, you got something out of it. Till next time, stay safe. God bless, and uh, uh, just uh, stay prosperous here in 2018. God bless.